0: This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, I'm not saying it's aliens, but aliens!
1: Hello everyone, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review comedy something podcast. I don't know why I said comedy. I think we're funny, but I don't know. Uh, if I'm, I'm pretty agrees.
0: funny. You're pretty funny, too. Yeah, you're
1: pretty funny. (laughs) I have a dry, self-deprecating humor.
0: And that is acceptable.
1: The other voice that you are hearing is my good friend and co-host, Dr. Izix. Hi! And this week we watched Who Mourns for Adonis from the original run of Star Trek.
0: I, I I, I, I still don't know, honestly.
1: Apparently no one. They're, like, mildly vexed for Adonis.
0: Yes. Hmm. Although I guess there is some, uh, you know, maybe twisting of the the term Adonis, maybe not like the you know you know mythological version, but if you you know translate that to be you know like the gods in general, which is apparently like a Hebrew sort of uh, version of it, uh, then it means like who's mourning for the gods. In which case, well, we do kind of find out then.
1: Yes, the the title taken loosely from a Percy Shelley poem. And yes, it does kind of just translate as sort of like, who mourns for the gods? Which is no one, apparently. Yeah, (laughs) No one of importance, anyway. (laughs) This episode is co-written by Gilbert Ralston, who wrote some other episodes, also wrote for many contemporary TV shows like Wild Wild West, I Spy, etc. Hmm, groovy. Also written by Gene L. Coon, who's showing up again might explain why the dialogue's not horrible in this one
0: yeah i was gonna say you know maybe there's some some, some magic in this one
1: (laughs) we only have two notable guest stars in this episode there's there's a few random lieutenants running around yeah like uh, mr kyle and um that other person (laughs) but the main cast we have michael Forrest playing apollo Mm -hmm, just apollo like the greek god apollo not not
0: like apollo creed not like a you know Apollo moon guy, just Apollo.
1: Yeah, Apollo, last name, not specified.
0: Apparently he's, like, still acting. So Yeah, they, they got yeah he
1: still <laughs> does voice acting, uh, mostly now. He actually reprised his role as Apollo on a fan web series, the uh, Star Trek Continues.
0: Oh, yeah. I should check that out at some point.
1: He does a lot of American anime dubs and was the voice of something called prince olympus on power rangers lightning speed rescue neat <laughs> So, like i uh i have not kept up with power rangers since the mid 90s but i understand they still go
0: <laughs> yes they they, they, they go and they have light speed and they're they're rescuing
1: and they're 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 seven samurai of something i don't know <laughs> power rangers 37 ronin we also are guest starring leslie Parrish as lieutenant carolyn palamas which is such an awkward last name
0: i'm i'm not sure what that is maybe greek
1: maybe (laughs) that would be thematic yes she also had many uh contemporary credits in the 60s and 70s also on wild wild west and my three sons and man from uncle she was also in Hogan's Heroes. Oh yeah, that was such a bad show. <laughs> you know what's funny? World War II POWs.
0: Yeah, it's just wacky hijinks all over the place, man. Ugh.
1: This is another episode where Kirk fights God.
0: Yep, got gotta punch God occasionally, otherwise mm-hmm. you're not man enough, I guess.
1: Not a manly man. A man. <laughs> if we start singing Disney, we are going to get sued.
0: Oh, oh okay. I'll, I'll try to tone it down then.
1: We can do a lot of things, but singing Disney always gets you in trouble.
0: Um, can I weird out it?
1: Just learned this. You can weird out it if it is directly parodying the like contextual nature of the song itself. Otherwise, you're just using the tune for an unrelated thing, and it's not protected under fair use.
0: I get it, because then you're making a parody of that song, not just, like, well, I'm making a joke about, like, eating pies or something.
1: You can't, yeah, you couldn't sing about pies. You could rearrange the lyrics to make a, a critique of toxic masculinity based on the perceptions of manhood that are presented through that song.
0: Don't to self, make this a project. Anyway, we're diverging <laughs> quite a bit.
1: Yeah, we are. <laughs> Oh, it's late, and I'm tired, and I was in a weird mood when I wrote this, so this is going to be interesting.
0: I enjoy weird weird moods that you often end up resulting in some rather creative decisions.
1: Okay, we may as well just jump in here. So we start in space! Yes, the Enterprise is surveying a system which is apparently unusually lacking in intelligent life.
0: I guess there's not many planets in the universe that don't have intelligent life in Star Trek.
1: I mean... It seems. Yeah. <laughs> Based on everything we see in this show and later shows, it seems there are very few planets that do not support intelligent life.
0: Very suspicious. Then, then what about the furry paradox? Oh, God.
1: Uh, there, There is no paradox in the universe of Star Trek. We have been being visited by aliens since prehistoric times, as revealed in Star Trek Voyager. Yes. There is no paradox. Yeah, and kind of in this episode, too, but I'm getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> We are introduced to this week's lieutenant who is named Carolyn Palamas. She is an expert in archaeology and ancient civilizations, which will come in handy later.
0: Yeah, so you know, it's good you have
1: random historians on board sometimes. Scotty has a still creepy, but probably the best yet interaction with this woman where he very politely asks her to join him for coffee.
0: Yes, uh, it definitely comes off a little mm, kind of 60s awkward, but it's still way better than the usual sort of stuff we got on this sort of thing.
1: Once again, Scotty being a normal human person, elevating himself above the rest of the crew. Yep. <laughs> Good old Scotty. You know, yeah. By modern standards, this seems a little awkward and forceful. By those sta- by the standards of the time, they were writing this. This is like the most polite thing in the universe.
0: You know, maybe they are thinking it's like, well, he's like non-American, so we have to write him differently. Hmm.
1: <laughs> There's one thing that they knew about the Scottish people at the time: it's how polite and not creepy they were. So, um, good. Yeah. Question mark? <laughs> She accepts his invitation and they both leave, much to the chagrin of McCoy, who for some reason is concerned with this budding relationship they have. McCoy, just, come on. (laughs) Yeah, we get some good old-fashioned sexism about how she, as a true woman, will eventually get married and leave Starfleet.
0: You know because men don't do that too. No. And that yeah, never. And that's just everyone's every, every everyone's destiny is to be a man and stay in Starfleet forever or be a woman and leave. Flunk
1: him out or marry him off.
0: Yeah. And uh or or you you have the uh the like the uh, the one episode, uh, you know, way ways back where uh you you get married on the ship or you're about to get married and then your your spouse dies and then yeah.
1: Well, it's a good thing too, otherwise she would have had to retire, apparently. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> man, this show's weird.
1: After this Wonderful exchange. The Enterprise begins scanning the planet called Polox 4, which is an M-type planet with no life forms, except for all of the life forms that are there. So I don't know what they mean by life forms.
0: Because um,
1: there's definitely plants and animals if it has an oxygen-nitrogen atmosphere.
0: Well, Maybe they don't think plants are alive. And they just didn't I notice guess? the animals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's no way that you can, you can have an m-type planet capable of sustaining human life that does not have a functioning ecosystem it's it's impossible
0: yeah, it would be freakishly weird and unstable
1: <laughs> yeah i don't i don't even know how you would develop an oxygen atmosphere without some sort of plants Oxygen isn't ne- usually a thing that you find floating around in space particularly often. It's too flammable, you see. Just as they are discussing how there's no life forms on this planet, a massive green hand appears and grabs the ship. Talk to the hand. Like physically grabs the ship out of space. Yoink. After commercial, the ship is <laughs> stuck, being held by massive green hand. Soon after this happens, a massive floating head appears, though not green. Mm, the big giant head. The big giant head hails them <laughs> and introduces himself as Apollo. Yes, that Apollo.
0: Yes, that, the, the Apollo as in the Greek god Apollo, you know, you know, dude who's all powerful and all that fun stuff. And not like an Apollo space program, like the, the god
1: Apollo kirk demands that apollo release the ship but he goes no and squeezes it until it almost breaks and kirk acquiesces to his demands and agrees to beam down on the planet to meet him
0: all right you're gonna crush us or we go down and say hello i guess we'll go say hello
1: also i'm not writing this down because it's just awkward but everything apollo says is in this weird like old-timey english speak.
0: Yes, very uh, attempting to be shakespearean but not quite and it's really verbose.
1: Like before he crushes the ship he says thus you lest you defy me and i close my hand thus. <laughs> okay,
0: you thusly do that. Mm-hmm. Thusly Yeah, there's a lot of
1: thuses <laughs> There's no heretofores or hitherto's, but there's a lot of thuses. It's,
0: it's, like, how I, it's like when I'm uh, arguing on the internet in, in text. I use thus a lot, but you know. <laughs> and thus you are full of crap.
1: <laughs> Only because the internet doesn't, doesn't accept uh, logical notation typing easily. Yes. <laughs> Kirk, Scotty, Chekhov, McCoy, and Palamis beam down to a small garden next to a tiny little Greek temple. Yeah, as you do. There they find Apollo sitting in his golden throne. you are mixing stuff a bit. I'm pretty sure they did not have thrones like this in ancient Greece, but... Yeah. Not really, no. Apollo tells them that he has been waiting for them for thousands of years, ever since he first visited Earth.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think the uh, the, na- the the number that they keep bringing up is about 5,000 years, and I think that pops yeah. a couple times. Which does have some, some awkward questions about the timeline here, but...
1: Anywho... <laughs> No one knows when this show takes place. <laughs> Apollo also takes this opportunity to hit on Palamas, which Scotty doesn't like very much.
0: Yeah, you know, Scotty's, you're, you're not quite there, Scotty, to be justifying this kind of outrage, but... Yeah,
1: you, like, just asked her out for coffee. Excuse me? <laughs> Might be better better thing as opposed to how he re- sort of reacts here. Kirk impatiently asks what Apollo wants, and he says that he's been waiting for them to arrive so that they could stay and worship him forever, just as their ancestors did. And also, I disabled your communicators and transporters, so you're stuck now. <laughs> Kirk refuses this because he's the only one who's going to get worshipped around here.
0: <laughs> Damn it.
1: <laughs> Apollo then decides to show his godlike powers by growing, you know, giant man style, to the size of the temple becomes huge and large back on the ship spock is working his hardest to establish communication and they have not accomplished anything that is your ship update for the minute
0: and uh Uhura mentioned something about jammed frequencies you know and uh, there's energy reserves and get those ready etc cetera, etc cetera, but it's not a whole lot going on
1: big apollo gets tired and disappears
0: as you do once you become huge and large it does kind of take a lot out of you
1: now alone the landing party takes stock of their situation Palamis gives us a rundown on Apollo, who is the brother of Artemis and son of Zeus, just like every Greek god minus Aphrodite.
0: Yep. (laughs) You know, are you God? Yes. Are you Zeus? No. Then you're
1: probably the son of Zeus. McCoy scanned Apollo, and he appears to be pretty much human. Except for, like, a weird extra organ that we find out about later, but I figured I'd mention it here because I don't have time for this weird slow-reveal junk.
0: Yeah, I think he like sort of mentions something, you know, a reference to it real quick, but it's kind of very easy to miss. And-
1: Kirk sends Chekhov and Scotty off to look for the power generator that they believe Apollo must need to do all of his cool little magic tricks. Some sort of ambient field. And then he starts on his ancient aliens theories about how maybe this really is the god Apollo from history.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have the the hair though he needs yeah. that weird <laughs> weird fro thing to look appropriately <laughs> crazy on tv yeah apollo reappears and immediately starts demanding they worship him and give him tribute in exchange for living there with him in what he calls paradise but is apparently some sort of servitude
0: yeah so so you want us to worship you and like give you stuff but we don't really have anything also you haven't really provided us anything other than trapping us here
1: yeah basically so...
0: What's in it for us?
1: (laughs) Apollo threatens them a bit, hits on Palamas a bit more. Scotty gets really bothered by this and draws his phaser, but Apollo lightning zaps it. Ouchies. Chekhov also tries to pull his phaser, but apparently his just stopped working. He didn't have to get lightning
0: zapped. Yeah, they're all like fused and things like that. They just don't work anymore. I guess Apollo realized, hmm, oh, well, this is a weapon. I should probably zap that, and while I'm at it, just kind of disable the rest real quick.
1: Apollo goes, Haha, your toys will no longer work. Also, I need to creepily change your clothes, miss. And yeah. he turns Palamas' uniform into this very impractically revealing pink toga-looking thing.
0: Yeah, it's very much Star Trek original series sexy outfit.
1: This is like the third or fourth time... That some sort of all-powerful alien has decided to magically change the clothes of one of the women around him.
0: This is kind of a a trope they keep coming back to, and it's
1: a little weird. But also, every single time it happens, the woman goes, This is way prettier than what I used to be wearing.
0: So I'm going to be happy with this, or I'm (laughs) going to change into it, or whatever, you
1: know? There's never a, like, holy, you, you just changed my clothes, that's not cool. It's just, oh my god, look pretty. Because apparently we have to believe that women are only in it for the fashion, I guess. That's why the miniskirts. Yeah. Hmm. Apollo moves to take Palamas with him. Scotty again gets really angry and objects, and then with a casual toss, Apollo throws him across the square before vanishing with Palamas.
0: So apparently he has powerful backhand powers and vanishing.
1: McCoy reports that Scotty is just stunned, but he's very worried about Palamis since Apollo just, you know, has these weird mood swings. And if she ticks him off, he's just going to, like, kill her out of hand, probably.
0: So, uh, in other words, they're all kind of doomed, but right now she's more doomed than the rest of them potentially.
1: Kirk gets annoyed with Scotty for continuously trying to get himself killed for no reason.
0: Yeah, and Scotty, you're usually so good, but you're, you're kind of losing it here.
1: Kirk says that Apollo can't be a god, but... If he did come to ancient Earth, all of the simple farmers and whatnot would have no choice but to think of him as a god. Look at all these powers.
0: You know, that whole uh, adage about, uh, you know, uh, visually advanced technology and all that.
1: Back on the bridge, the crew is trying to turn the tractor beam around so it'll push on stuff. It doesn't really work. They don't get free of the big hand.
0: The hand's like a force field, not really something matter that they can interact with, so...
1: This is just a fun little aside that someone mentioned a long time ago. Like in this episode, they turn the tractor beam into a repulsor beam by like hitting a switch. In like the second episode of Next Generation, it takes them half the episode and a genius kid to change the tractor beam into a repulsor beam.
0: (laughs) Maybe like after this point, uh, they like came up with some like ridiculous like uh, safety measures. In order to discourage people from making into repulsor beam. or maybe there's some sort of like legal reason they're not supposed to have repulsor beams, and so they just make it really hard to uh, to you know, change the setting while back. <laughs> yes, then. the yeah, Treaty yeah. of the
1: Repulsor Beam <laughs> Incident.
0: Yeah, you know, you know maybe like the part of the peace treaty with the Klingons was you know the Federation can't use repulsor beams anymore.
1: <laughs> Sulu finds a power source in the planet, but can't pinpoint it yet. But they do have readings on the landing party. This has been your ship update. Now back to our regularly scheduled sexism. Yep. Palamas and Apollo are talking in a forest. She asks about the Greek gods and what happened to the rest of them. And he goes on this long story about how they lived on Earth for a while. But then the humans kind of moved on and stopped worshipping them. And gods can't really live without love and admiration. And they all kind of faded into the wind.
0: They all became dust on the wind. Like sands in an hourglass.
1: <laughs> These are the days of our lives. <laughs> Unlike all the other gods, he just knew that if he waited long enough, humans would one day come to the stars and find him again.
0: I guess that he, that ended up being true. The, the problem is he had some assumptions about humans still wanting to worship him.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure the logic here. Humans grew tired of us. I'm going to leave and wait for them to come back, and then they'll totally want to worship me again.
0: Yeah, because they'll be missing having to worship me.
1: Yeah, seems to be the logic. He also explains how years and years ago gods used to take mortal mates and then they both kiss, but at least this time it seems a little more consensual than a lot of other ones on this show, so I'll give it to him.
0: How quickly this love story is moving is is pretty quick.
1: Yeah, a little quick, but he is a god, I suppose.
0: Maybe he has like pheromones.
1: (laughs) Back at the temple, Chekhov is reading a large energy field, but he also can't track down the source.
0: Seems everything around here is probably radioactive. Oh no, we're going to die.
1: They theorize (laughs) that Apollo's extra organ might let him channel energy around like an electric eel. Cool. Yeah, and that's what gives him all of his cool god powers. (laughs) This doesn't make much evolutionary sense, but okay. (laughs) No, it doesn't. if they could only find this power source and destroy it, they might be able to, you know, take out Apollo's powers. But then Apollo reappears. Scotty gets mad at him again because this time he didn't bring... Back, Lieutenant Palamas. Apollo lightning bolts him, gets tired, and then disappears immediately.
0: Lightning bolt! Lightning bolt! Lightning bolt! Oh, I'm done. I'm out. Later, guys. I'll see you at the uh, the 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 uh, food tent.
1: They notice that Apollo keeps getting tired and disappearing, and Kirk recalls that in ancient Greek myths the gods would need to rest after expending energy. Which I, which ones? Like which myth is this? Because I don't remember that one. <laughs> Neither do I. Um. Anytime that
0: sort of, like, was maybe implied, I would guess uh, I always had the impression that it would be more of a, yeah, the god just was finished doing whatever they're doing, so they're going to go home and hang out there. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard a story of, like, and then Zeus threw the nighty lightning bolt and had to have a lie down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that one, so no. <laughs> But if Apollo is one of the actual Greek gods, he may also have these restrictions on using his power. So if we can just make him attack us again, we can all jump him. McCoy points out that that's a really dumb plan and is going to get one of them killed. But Kirk Probably. says, yeah, but not all of us. Ho ho! Back on the bridge again, Ahura's is working on the communication board. Spock has a new plan to break free of the field, but also like open holes in it so that they can communicate. Uh, But they haven't done that yet.
0: They're still working on it. They're they're having to zap things and solder things and do a bunch of differential equations.
1: Basically. I mean, he does just hand the guy a giant board full of math and goes, do this. Solve these equations
0: and get back to me with, you know, and you'll get graded on your assignment.
1: Back at the temple, we have Apollo reappearing, this time with Palamas. So Scotty calms down for a minute because he doesn't attack him immediately this time. Mm Mm-hmm. Kirk gets mad at Apollo for wanting them to worship him, and they all turn their backs on him and ignore him as he tells them to go forth and gather laurel leaves and sacrifice deers and such. As Greek gods do. They turn around, and apparently their plan is to stand around and just laugh at him awkwardly until he gets mad.
0: And, you know, there's a there's, uh, vicious mockery going on here.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not a great plan. But okay. I guess if you just want to annoy a Greek god, this is how you do it. <laughs> Apollo is just about to lightning bolt Kirk to death when Palamas suddenly jumps in front of him and convinces him to not kill any of them, which ruins Kirk's plan. And he's very upset.
0: You, know, you sort of look at Kirk's face, he's like, oh, god damn
1: it. <laughs> All these women not wanting to get killed.
0: I was about to get laser zapped to death, and that would have solved all our problems, but no, she had to go save our
1: lives. Apollo <laughs> agrees to be lenient, but tells them that they should start making plans to bring down the rest of the crew, and also you're going to have to dismantle your ship for materials. Okay, bye. No, well, that sucks. Kirk says that he has one more idea on how to defeat Apollo but it depends on Palamas' loyalty, which he seems very dubious of.
0: Oh, is she fallen in love or only kind of in love?
1: Back in the forest, we have a big old monologue from Apollo about how Kirk and company have forgotten the meaningful things in life, like worshipping him, and how there's a natural order to things... Where humans have to worship him and he's just going to remind them of this natural order that will make them happier.
0: I'm certainly having flash- flashbacks to the uh, first Avengers movie where the, uh, you know, the, you know Loki's in Berlin and he's like, you know, everyone must obey me. And then one guy stands up and is like, bitch, please.
1: Yeah, this is interesting because... They're doing this whole natural order where humans are supposed to be servile to higher beings and stuff. This is the first time we've gotten the argument on the other side for this show. Usually they're upholding it the other direction. A little bit, yeah. Also he plans to make Palamas the mother of a new race of gods and she seems pretty into this idea.
0: Maybe she just wants to be a mom and this is the first solid opportunity where she's gonna get the chance?
1: Maybe? I guess? (laughs) Back at the temple, Palamas reappears, which is really convenient that he sent her back alone because Kirk needed to talk to her. That's very convenient of you, Apollo. Thank you. (laughs) Kirk gives her a big old speech about how they have to stick together because they're all humans, and that is all, basically. That's my argument. We're all all humans, and you need to reject Apollo in order to save us all because we're all humans.
0: It's a real long speech, too. It's like, we're all tied together. Humans can't escape each other. Gotta remember who you are, man. And then, you know, the only thing that is truly yours is other humans. Yeah. And that's like your duty, yo. Come on. Follow my orders.
1: Yeah, it is just unbearable. It's it's just awkward. <laughs> it's weird and awkward, honestly. Yeah. It's like, feel this flesh on flesh. It's like, he's. You just said Apollo was basically human except for like one extra organ. Yeah, uh, And this is your argument?
0: (laughs) I'm just throwing my hands up in the air. It's like, okay, Kirk, this is your play. I I know how things are going to turn out because it's a Star Trek, but come on.
1: He orders her to reject Apollo because it is her duty to do so. Back on the ship, we've established communications. Sweet, we could actually talk to people. Spock tells Kirk that they found the power source in the planet. It seems to be coming from the temple thing that they've been standing next to the entire time.
0: Oh, who would imagine that?
1: I don't know. It's like not like it's the most obvious place it could possibly be or anything. The only structure around. Kirk orders them to target the temple with the phasers, but not to fire until he tells them to. Back in the forest, Palamas tells Apollo that she is anthropologically interested in him, but of course not romantically, she was just doing that to get information because it's her job, and to to her, he's nothing but a specimen in a jar you this is the thing that like they keep taking this bit out of context and putting it in tumblr gifts and like go like oh my god look how awesome and strong this woman is
0: yeah, yeah out of context you know that that, that seems quite reasonable in fact yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah, admirable but in context the episode this is just such a weird like back and forth flip-flopping everywhere you're like this lady is kind of really just bending down to whatever authority she finds most authoritative
1: just like a woman should
0: and that's just terrible
1: yeah i mean that's basically what the show is saying like first apollo tells her to love him and she goes oh okay this man told me what to do and then kirk goes stop loving him He says well okay this man told me what to do now aye aye captain you're my boss so i'm going to agree to this now yeah it's good thing she did reject apollo because he gets really mad calls down a thunderstorm basically does that whole i'm an abusive asshole and you rejected me so now i'm gonna kill you and everyone you know
0: and death destruction because i was turned down by a woman oh god
1: yep he he uses a wind machine to blow around the forest for a little bit it's kind of depressing to watch because the actress has to keep holding her costume on physically to keep it from blowing off in the wind machine
0: this is uncomfortable to watch
1: She finally runs off and Apollo turns into a big giant face in the clouds and starts looming at her. As you do. Kirk finally orders Spock to fire on the temple, even after this has been going on for a little while. The lieutenant's not back yet. He's just like, oh, we're spooked enough. Let's, let's blow this place up. Go, shoot, fire. She probably ticked them off enough. She's dead now. Apollo comes back as the temple begins to glow under the phaser fire. Palamas also shows up and Scotty grabs her and hides her behind a rock. She's fine. Don't worry. Yeah. Apollo starts yelling for them to stop and shoots lightning at the ship out of his fingertips, but it really doesn't seem to do much.
0: Zap, 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 zap. But wait, aren't you in charge of that giant hand that could crash the Enterprise like a bug?
1: Yeah, he like almost destroyed the ship a minute ago. And now he's just like, yeah, stop it. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, you're shooting lasers
0: at me. I gotta do my own thing back. Otherwise, it's not fair.
1: They keep firing until the temple is rubble. Apollo then grows really large and starts yelling to the heavens that his friends were right and the time of the gods has passed, and then he fades away into nothing. Bye. Kirk wanders through the ruined temple, and they say that it's too bad that they had to kill Apollo because, you know, if he really was the ancient Greek dude, then they got basically their entire culture from the ancient Greeks, and by extension, these god aliens. So would it really have killed them to gather just a few laurel leaves?
0: Well, it almost did kill them, actually.
1: <laughs> the end. This is it. This is just like, well, we went just went through this thing where we barely escaped with our lives. Was he really that bad? It's, it's the new way of writing Kirk. He kills things without thinking and then later goes, but should I have killed him without
0: thinking? I'm going to think about this for the 10 seconds it takes to get to the end credits
1: the end <laughs> <laughs> that was who mourns for adonis nobody maybe kirk for a second
0: i guess apollo did a little bit maybe but then he died so nobody anymore yeah this is very
1: yeah. weird to me <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty weird episode so like, i i had to do a bit of research here because where we are now after the 90s and the 2000s in our good old you know Postmodernist modernist society we've developed here. Uh-huh. Uh, the ancient aliens theory is that gif you keep seeing on Facebook with the guy <laughs> with the crazy hair. Yes. I'm
0: not saying it's X, but it's aliens.
1: <laughs> but apparently in the early 1950s uh, through the 60s, it was actually a theory that was gaining a lot of prevalence and people were considering. Mm-hmm. Though so I, did, I did some research here, and kind of the first major proponent of this that I could find is a guy named Harold T. Wilkins, who was a British journalist. And he was a proponent of, first off, the hollow earth theory, which is that the earth is actually filled with a bunch of tunnels, and once you get inside of the crust, there's kind of another sun where the center of the Earth is, and there's like a skin, sort of an, an, a hollow, inverted Earth with continents and dinosaurs and stuff on the inside of it.
0: Which makes no physical sense, but okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's apparently, according to him, where Atlantis wound up, and also Atlantis was somewhere in South America, possibly in Brazil, and there's a bunch of tunnels there that should lead you to this underground, hollow Earth Atlantis
0: no the uh, brazil is where the south atlantic magnetic anomaly is atlantis is clearly in the pegasus galaxy
1: come on guy <laughs> <laughs> so he was a proponent of that he was also the proponent of something called the white gods theory that sounds problematic yeah the the idea with that is there used to be a race of white people that occupied the entirety of south america that have since disappeared, but those are the people that the ancient Mesoamerican cultures considered to be their gods.
0: I don't think I like this guy. He, he seems to be full of crap.
1: <laughs> then he also later uh, wrote a few books called, like, Flying Saucers on the Attack, Flying Saucers in the Moon, Flying Saucers Uncensored, which I guess is the naughty version.
0: <laughs> for, for all your, uh, you know, explicit flying saucer deeds.
1: <laughs> yes. And that is some of the things. uh, Also, apparently a book called uh, Strange Mysteries of Space and Time, uh, where he kind of talked about disappearing aircraft ships and things during the Middle Ages and medieval history. Which kind of started getting the ball rolling on this uh, ancient astronauts theory.
0: So basically, he was all about the uh, you know stuff you would find on you know, shows that were uh, popular in the '90s, like uh, uh, sightings and like the X Files. Basically, all the kind of out there stuff that conspiracy theory people used to be all about, but uh, they moved on since then. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and this kind of started gaining more prevalence through his lifetime in the '50s. He died in 1960, so he was not around during the time of the Star Trek stuff. Yeah, the 1960s it started gaining more and more relevance, especially in amongst some uh, German writers. So it was actually not an unaccepted theory at the time this episode came out. Uh, it was it was considered something that should be considered, and it kind of came to this sort of head in the pop culture sense with the book chariots of the gods Heard about that one it's a german book I, i cannot read the german name but it was originally german got translated into english but eric von daniken wrote this in the late 1960s and it became very very popular but also started academically being denounced and then into the 70s this ancient aliens astronaut theories started being denounced more and more in the academic circles until now we basically consider it this weird kind of out there crackpot thing
0: yeah because uh you know, as with a lot of stuff that kind of bubbles up like this you sort of have one or two guys that gets like half a truth and then they sort of start running with it. it's like okay so if this is a thing then i'm going to not really do any research on the context of what this thing is a part of, or, you know, actual evidence out in the world, I'm going to latch on to this single element and I'm going to start running with it down the rabbit hole of whatever I just kind of came up with. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, and so you build this complex web of interconnected ideas that, you know, you know, sort of are generated by these sort of points of, I'm tempted to say illogic, but it, it they're all trying to be semi inc- uh, self, self consistent, even if they're, Failing at being actual science. Well, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> they're
1: all logically presented, but they're based on on quick assumptions and faulty premises.
0: Yeah. So you know, they're 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 un, they're not well not well found, not well grounded, and so they you know build up these you know complex you know universes of ideas, and then they you know start you know spreading these ideas and they popularize them, and then people that have no connection to that world entirely start hearing about this and people start bothering them it's like hey are you you're like an archaeologist and i'm going to ask you about this nonsense here and the archaeologist is like what no this doesn't make any sense what where are you getting this crap and then the you know the, you know, the conspiracy theory peddler is like oh obviously this academic wants to hide things from you because they don't want you to know the truth you have to go and only read
1: my books instead oh yeah the, the very interesting thing that I found with this episode is it's one of the few times that I've seen an ancient astronaut theory presented for something uh, Greek. Which I thought was kind of novel. <laughs> yeah, well, g- so generally, um, as would be suggested by good old Wilkins White Gods novels, uh, a lot of the times the ancient astronaut theories are used to kind of dismiss non-white cultures uh it's very very unusual for you to get a theory like this though though of course once it started getting popularized people started applying it basically to everything but Mm -hmm. it's much more unusual to get it in something like greek roman or even like persian you get a little bit with some things like that i guess persian is far enough back you get slightly more in that kind of sphere but things that people would consider kind of the direct antecedents to like like america and the modern the modern western cultures you you usually don't get the aliens thing as much in there it's a lot more with like african cultures and south american cultures and mesoamerican cultures where you're like, mm-hmm. where people are in there going like, well, they could not have done this. Like, this culture didn't have the level of technology to build a pyramid, or didn't have the level of technology to carve a stone head of this size, or something. But you know, the Greeks and Romans definitely had that level of technology. We don't really need to explain it with aliens.
0: So, you know, these guys that were. Coincidentally, almost, you know, you know, our our ancestors here, they they knew what they were doing, but these other guys in the other part of the world, oh, they couldn't have known anything, man. And, yeah, there's a little bit of racism in there.
1: Well, it's the same kind of thing. I hadn't heard of the White Gods Theory for South America, but when they first started discovering ancient african civilizations and some of the like temples that they found in the jungles down there uh Mm -hmm. they they basically had this whole theory of an ancient white race that existed in africa and built up a kingdom until they were destroyed by the black africans wow that's the entire Um, thing with the like king solomon's mine and similar books
0: and i just i just have to shake my head
1: (laughs) and we we moved a little bit away from that in modern cultures but now we also we've kind of replaced the hitherto unknown white race that would have existed in places where white people could not have existed with aliens. Yeah,
0: well, if it's not white people, it's got to be aliens. That's the only explanation other than you know people actually knew what they were doing and made these things themselves
1: i just, i coincidentally saw this thing on a uh, on a tumblr blog that i follow about mesoamerican art that just had a thing that said just because white people couldn't do it doesn't mean it was aliens
0: <laughs> i like that <laughs> so
1: you get into a lot of weird racial stuff with the ancient astronauts theories which is why i thought it was so odd that they chose a greek god for this in this time period
0: well, I'd say that maybe the choice uh, could have been rooted in that Greek is one of the things that the audience is more familiar with. You know, you don't you know expect you know, expect uh, uh, random Joe in the '60s to know anything about the Mesoamerican cultures at all. You know, unless you're you know basically someone who's already well versed in this you know ancient alien sort of stuff in the first place. That's true, mm-hmm. and also
1: it it speaks a little bit with some things that I was reading. Uh, More recently, you you had the passing familiarity with the Greek gods, but you also had a bunch of white people writing the show who would have been more familiar with the Greek gods. Uh, Later on, there's an episode of Star Trek the Animated Series where they have more or less the same thing, but they meet Quetzalcoatl. The big bird? No, the big snake. Oh, yeah. Feathered serpent. Feathered serpent, yeah. 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 And that that is specifically because one of the writers on the show had a Mesoamerican ancestry and wanted to bring that in. So it it speaks uh-huh. to kind of the the diversity and representation that they brought on to the writing staff later on in, not this series, but the, I guess, direct sequel to this series.
0: The animated series of questionable uh, canonically uh, canonicalness, but, you know, kind of hooky on all that as well. So, you know, though, with, with them picking the Greeks, I do have to wonder about that timeline I kind of mentioned in the synopsis bit there. Because this guy, you know, Apollo keeps on talking about 5,000 years ago, and then it sort of implied that these ancient Greek gods were, you know, instrumental in the development of, of philosophy and all that in the uh, sort of late classical period, and that doesn't line up at all. In fact, you know, 5,000 years ago, like, you know, this future in Star Trek, you know, is was basically in the middle of the Minoan civilization, which weren't really about the Quote uh, classical Greek gods, they had their own sort of thing going on that may have been related, but they weren't like this is Apollos. No, it's like this is our god of something or other, and people of the modern, you know, today don't really know the names real well, so it's kind of, eh? Yeah. <laughs> classical Greek sort of uh, pantheon was developed a bit later, like thousands of years later sort of situation so
1: well you're obviously still dealing with the kind of squire of gothos timeline where they didn't want to nail <laughs> down when this series was actually set
0: like, oh yeah we're like 900 years in the future as opposed to three uh, a couple hundred
1: <laughs> the really weird thing that you get into with this and i think it's the only other thing to really talk about because they spent so much time in the ancient aliens thing they didn't do much else with it um uh, theologically this is very iffy because there's there's a line that I didn't find a good way to mention where Apollo says that they need to learn something about the gods. And Kirk turns around and goes, one is just fine for us, thanks.
0: I, I caught that as well. You know, It's like, well, I guess there's some sort of monothe- monotheistic religion here in Star Trek universe. Um, is it Christianity? Yeah, well, because
1: it is written in the 60s, the only thing that line could mean would be yeah. the Christian God.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Generally, yes. But I'm going, I'm going to uh, uh, say that it's a, a new branch of Zoroastrianism. <laughs> <laughs> That's my headcanon now.
1: <laughs> that is what I couldn't quite figure out what they were trying to get across with this episode. Because they they mention things about not needing the gods anymore, and and they have a line that explicitly says, humanity outgrew you. But they don't mean that they have outgrown gods in general, because they mention the fact that they believe in a god. They mean specifically that they have outgrown the Greek gods. Yes, specifically. doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it.
0: Like, Well, what does that mean? Is it just like, okay, you need to have this sort of godlike presence that exists in your life that you can accidentally run into and get in an argument with, and then they smite you. Is that something people needed at some point?
1: Yeah, they don't really get into comparative religion. They also yeah. keep calling it mythology, which um, basically is our word for any religion that existed too long ago or looks too foreign. Yep. <laughs>
0: How many centuries ago was it? Um, This many. Okay, then it's it's definitely myth. Oh, okay. (laughs) As opposed to something that people actually believed in and, you know, built temples about and all that fun.
1: But the the odd thing is they they didn't go with the normal kind of god-alien route that a lot of science fiction does, which is, you know, you were just pretending to be a god. How dare you, you know, trick our ancestors and take advantage of people like that?
0: You know, basically the uh, the stargate route
1: yeah the, they didn't go kind of the stargate you know aliens or assholes who are just pretending to be gods to take advantage of you this mm-hmm. is quite literally a god he has the powers he does the things he wants to be worshipped he he says that he needs to be worshipped in order to survive and then when they reject him he fades away in this way that he has said is not exactly like dying because they're gods and they just kind of scatter themselves throughout the universe. So, like, he is a god. They are undisputedly telling us that this entity is a Greek god, indistinguishable from any other kind of god. So
0: uh, I guess Kirk gets to uh, sort of kill a god this episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but what's the point? Like, if you believe in a god and this guy is a god, like... You didn't have any kind of comparative religion things. You didn't talk about the philosophy. You didn't even particularly talk about how you don't want to be enslaved there in service to this guy for all eternity. You basically just said, we don't need you anymore, even though we've got a new one. Like, we, we yeah, don't we, need we were, you. We've got our own,
0: thanks. Yeah, we got our, we got our super special god, and we're, we're just going to say bye. And then we're going to have some arguments and some fighting, and Scotty's going to try to get himself killed again. But, you know, it's, that's the episode.
1: it's odd to accept this being as a god given the implied christian theming that they're using for for the you know star trek people Mm -hmm. because the the basic idea that other gods exist is not something that's readily accepted in modern christianity
0: more of a yeah those god other gods aren't just just don't exist in in, period
1: which is interesting because i was i was reading this thing a while ago and I'm blanking on the name, but apparently a lot of old biblical references kind of don't use a monotheistic approach so much as a polytheistic approach w- approach with monotheistic worship. Like,
0: yeah, there is only one god you should worry about, but there's, there's other beings out there that are kind of like gods. Yeah, I, well, it makes yeah, explicit like
1: reference to the gods of other regions. Mm-hmm. This is just not the one you should be worshipping. So other gods exist and are there, they're just not the one you should be worshiping. It's like the whole like it's it, it's the whole 10 commandments thing. Like one of the 10 commandments is worship no other god above me. Well, if there aren't any other gods, where's the worry? It's not worship no other god, it's worship no other god above me. Now, uh just, you know,
0: you can maybe give the lip service, but you put, you put your whole heart towards me, baby.
1: Come on. So they're actually working with a weirdly anachronistic version of Christian belief systems that you wouldn't expect during the 60s.
0: Well, maybe the writers are from, like, the ancient times as well. Maybe they're secretly Greek gods.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not, I have no idea what they are trying to say about religion in this episode, because it seems to be written largely as a denunciation of religion as kind of an outmoded thing that they don't need anymore, which I think Roddenberry himself kind of espoused that view Mm -hmm. he was more of Mm -hmm. a like like uh secular humanist
0: so you're you're suggesting is that maybe Roddenberry was yeah using apollo as a stand-in of sorts but you know it wasn't it wasn't really going uh, full in because, you know, otherwise he'd just be kicked off the network.
1: Well, that's the odd thing, is they explicitly make reference to who you could only assume to be the Christian God, because who else is it going to be in the 60s?
0: Which does kind of muddle it all. It uh, you know, I, I, I got the feeling that's sort of like something you, you're, you're sort of forced to put in there, yeah. Maybe.
1: <laughs> like, But if you didn't reference it, most people would just assume... Like, I'm sure 90% of the people who just watch this show just assume that everyone on the ship is Christian because that's who Americans think everyone is.
0: Yep. Oh, well, you're from space. You call me, so you're obviously a Christian. We don't even speak your language. Yeah, so what was,
1: the, <laughs> what was the point of having that line in there? Like, it, it makes it so you can't really figure out what the point of the episode is because it goes from being a denunciation of religion to being a denunciation of the greek religion specifically
0: take that greece
1: yeah take <laughs> that ancient greece <laughs> all you apollo worshipers out there your ancient steps
0: and column designs are 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 out are out of style man it's all whack you're never gonna oracle us up a, a good good future here.
1: They didn't go into you're just tricking us. Like they say, bag of tricks a few times, but they accept his powers pretty readily. It it kind of made me think of the the probably spiritual redo of this episode, which would have been Devil's Due in uh, mm-hmm. Next Generation with the con with the con woman devil character.
0: Well, the devil went down to that planet. She's looking for a. Deed to the plan to steal <laughs>
1: but it's it's just a weird th- it's a weirdly muddled the only consistent through line of this episode is women be crazy
0: which is terrible and uh, not really one I would I want to sort of dwell on any you know you know because they we keep coming back to this this this, this bizarre point they're trying to make or accidentally making it if they're not intending it and it's it's just getting kind of old
1: <laughs> yeah it is the entire The entire through line of her character is she gets asked out by Scotty, who is then just super possessive. Mm -hmm. Then she falls in love with Apollo out of nowhere for no particular reason. And then decides to betray Apollo out of nowhere for no particular reason.
0: Maybe Stockholm Syndrome and then... I don't know. That gets broken. Uh, I have no idea. Very quick turnaround.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's just she's flighty and has emotions, and that's wrong.
0: Well, that's depressing.
1: Do we have anything <laughs> less
0: depressing? Well, uh, I, I could go back to the, the history stuff and about the uh, the Bronze Age collapse and how that was weird, but uh, that's not. It's kind of tangential to the episode, honestly.
1: It's a little tangential. Also, are we going to solve the Bronze Age collapse in in the next ten minutes of episode? <laughs>
0: Um, probably not.
1: Did the sea people <laughs> even exist? The sea people are aliens. There we go.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so the sea people are aliens, but they're not the Apollo's aliens. They're different aliens that came to Earth, and maybe they drove. You know, were actually, you know, Apollo lied about why they left, because the sea people drove away the Greek gods, and because they were invading, and they wanted to take over the Earth's oceans, and then raid the, the, the countryside for reasons, and... And The Greek gods didn't like that, but these sea people were able to overpower them and turn off their special organs, and so the Greek gods are like, well, we're powerless unless we leave, so let's leave and then just pretend we're leaving for other reasons.
1: Oh, there you go. They just didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know where the Egyptians are going to wind up.
0: Yeah, You know, uh, you know the Egyptians, uh, they're going to build a death ray, and that destroys the sea people, but the sea people get their revenge, the death ray is destroyed, and uh, it's just a whole sinks mess. Sinks
1: into the sea, becomes blandus
0: exactly you know and uh it was, but you know it, it was actually a, a mobile uh, you know like aircraft carrier with a giant death ray on board and they sunk it it was just just terrible
1: we've 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 strayed into edgar rice Burroughs territory
0: <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm kind of enjoying myself here <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is completely off topic but i was i was just reading uh through a collection that i got which is the uh the edgar rice burroughs venus collection which is a little lesser known than his mars collection Mm -hmm. and in the intro to that book they mention how the guy who is the point of view character in that book just got done going on an expedition with tarzan to the you know hollow earth center of the world which like i did not realize that edgar rice burroughs invented the shared universe (laughs) surprise like tarzan john carter of mars and this dude on venus all exist in the same canonical solar system nice i
0: was unaware of that
1: also apparently he has like i think he has a book series set on basically every planet in the solar system at some point or another
0: i'll have to get onto that uh on my own my own end here
1: (laughs) yeah i love like burroughs is such a weirdly racist author but i love reading his stuff just for the weirdness in it
0: and sometimes you kind of have to uh you know, you know find yourself in situations like this is half awful and half awesome but uh yeah you know, I, I, I trust you to be responsible enough to uh you know take it in and not be like turned evil or awful or something like that <laughs> I, I trust you gepline
1: oh if you want that i just randomly was at a bookstore the other day you can tell how much i have to talk about in this episode <laughs> i was at a bookstore the <laughs> other day and i randomly stumbled on a Highland book called uh Called Farnham's Freehold, which is apparently about a guy who goes through a nuclear war, which transports his nuclear war bunker into the future, where everyone is dead except that black Africans have taken over the world because no one bothered to bomb Africa.
0: Lucky them, I guess?
1: But you can probably anticipate how well Heinlein writes about black people.
0: Yeah, like, this is... An okay base concept, but given its hindline, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one of my you know, personal goals in uh, writing science fiction is to write better science fiction that doesn't go down those you know awful uh, you know avenues that a lot of the older classical writers did. I, I try to uh, you know make you know good things like you know seem normal and awesome, and terrible things actually seem you know terrible. So well,
1: it seems like an odd direction for science fiction, but good luck.
0: <laughs> yeah. what do you mean good things are good and terrible things are terrible what?
1: <laughs> that doesn't make any sense what kind of science fiction are you writing well uh, uh, honestly it's a uh, you know
0: hard sci-fi political thrillers but you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's we've we've strayed oh again. certainly <laughs> we, we've certainly strayed, strayed. i you know
0: i would sort of also glancing around some of the uh, the you know the trivia the rundowns here um, and you know, some of these are kind of interesting, but not, I guess, jumping out at me. Like this episode like shows up in X-Men Apocalypse, like in the background or something. Like that.
1: Yeah, I've seen it pop up. This is one of the ones I was more familiar with in general. It's a fairly famous episode. I don't think I've actually seen this one before, honestly. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it per se, but I've seen enough of it. It gets referenced a lot all right i feel like we're running out of steam yeah.
0: here <laughs> so so shall i move on to the uh
1: the game show yes apparently it's time for the galaxy's favorite game show
0: hey everybody welcome back to the game show portion of the show We got uh, all the points tallied up. The contestants have answered to so many questions and caused us to ask so many more. And we got some awards to hand out. The first one is the Too Horny to Live Award, which goes to Scotty for repeatedly getting himself zapped nearly to death because he just got the hots of Carolyn. What does he win,
1: Geppelin? Scotty wins a copy of The Game, The Secret Society of Pickup Artists, because he's bordering on that kind of territory here and he needs to stop it.
0: Yeah, Scotty, you're usually quite competent, but yeah, this is getting kind of painful. Our second award is the sufficiently Advanced Aliens Award, which goes to Apollo for seemingly have godlike powers, vice, uh, a magical temple, and some sort
1: of super special awesome organ. What does he win, Gepwin? Apollo gets really weird hair, and to be used in a million internet gifts.
0: Oh, I think he's going to be famous for a good long while, but is it going to be famous... For, you know, your humorous sake, or is he actually gonna get worshiped like he likes? I have my doubts. Our third award is the Myth Busting Award, which goes to Spock and Kirk, but mostly Spock for figuring out a way to take down the actual mythical Apollo. What does he
1: win, Geppwin? Spock wins one of those cool metal plates that says busted on it from Mythbusters, because I missed that show. Yes. Hoo <laughs> hoo.
0: Spock, you busted that myth. Our last award is the TV Love Story Award, which goes to Carolyn for falling super in love and then super out of love in under an hour for the sole purpose of working the plot. What does she win, Gapwin?
1: Carolyn wins a rose, which she cannot give to Apollo for the tear-jerking ending of this was apparently a new reality series.
0: Hmm. I think, you know, we're not going to be kissed by rose today.
1: Well, thank you to all of our contestants. I hope that you enjoy your prizes and, you know, dying and being spread across the universe in the wind or whatever it was Apollo did. Yes, we're getting the dust in the wind thing again. And thank you for joining us here on the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. (laughs) Next week I do not remember this episode, even a little. Hmm. Something about computers, right? The next episode is called The Changeling? Yes. But it does not involve Odo. No, it doesn't involve Odo or changelings as like I understand them from like uh like Celtic mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh it apparently involves a space probe yes a, a, an ancient space
0: probe that does weird stuff and wants to talk to its creator I'm suddenly having flashbacks to a some sort of motion picture
1: uh, I feel like this d- did they just reuse this concept for the first movie I think we're gonna find out yeah it's very odd I don't I'm reading the the like synopsis and I still don't know what was going on like i don't get it yeah <laughs> this i don't i'm not looking forward to this
0: <laughs> well maybe we'll get lucky you know sometimes we do
1: <laughs> oh well well well. hopefully we will have more to talk about and less sexism fingers crossed on the changeling which we will cover next week on Watches of tomorrow
0: next time on watchers of tomorrow we beat veeger's cousin <laughs> You have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on YouTube.com slash Gepwin, and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix on YouTube.com slash Dr. and Twitter at IzixLP. Music is Waveform and Morris Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists.